How would you describe a prosecutor who decides to stick people in jail and then keep them there despite knowing that a government informant who was with them when a crime occurred, that government informant said these people did not break the law. How would you describe a prosecutor who decided to keep them in jail knowing that? That's how you're describing Merrick Garland. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile. Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Bulwark Capital Management, uh, partner of the week, chief investment officer there, Zach Abraham. In addition to coming on our podcast once a week, he has a radio show you can get at knowyourriskradio.com. You ever had to apologize to somebody for breaking your, uh, for, for blowing your top, losing your temper? Uh, I had to pray about it this morning. I, I had to apologize to the Lord because I am just bedeviled with technical issues. It got to me and I mean, I was alone in my studio, but I was cursing and I had to apologize to God for cursing. I didn't use his name in vain, thank you, but um, I had to apologize it is human to err. It's, it's good humanity to apologize when you do that. And yet on the topic of January 6th, people are so, so committed to their emotions that they see a simple act of humanity as an admission that you're part of a dangerous cult. There's a woman, I've just learned that she exists. Her name is Melissa Jo Peltier or Peltier. She's an Emmy winning uh, something or other, a TV person, director of things, an Emmy winner. So therefore an extremely um, impressive and important person, um, writer, director, producer, New York Times bestseller, WGA, PGA, et cetera, ad nauseum. Um, she is pro-animal and anti-hate and director of The Game is Up for Digital New York's uh, Digital Pack, Digital New York City Pack. She writes this about a uh, defendant in the January 6th trial. I believe him. He was in a cult. Were it not for his indictment, he'd be in it still. I believe people can change when they grasp the truth, but more importantly, she writes all caps, Consequences matter. The Justice Department, she tags in this. Here's what she's describing, or this is what she has emoted. It's a photograph described by another person on Twitter from NBC News, Julie Terskin. Stephen Ayers, the January 6th defendant whom stormed the Capitol, just came up to each officer in attendance. I'm really sorry, Ayers told Harry Dunn, hugging him. You know, when you, uh, when you uh, maybe assault someone or uh, 
scream at them or threaten them out of complete frustration, it's a good and proper thing to go and apologize. Uh, It's a good and proper thing to go and ask forgiveness. We are told to do that. Uh, If you are tithing in church or giving alms, the Bible says that if you have a grievance with a brother, go settle that grievance. Keep where things where they're at. Walk away. Leave. Go settle that. Come to an agreement with your brother and then come back. Don't, don't tithe with that stuff hanging over your head. And this guy could have a many times a reflection of, wait a minute, like why was it me versus the cop? The cop didn't steal the election or rig it. So why was I doing that? And I will guarantee that if I were to spend any time at all going through this woman's Twitter page, there would be no such soul searching in relation to the riots that went around the country that preceded all of this, because the riots were a preceding factor to January 6th. We know this, all of us. Those of us not completely captured by emotion saw this coming because we saw the setup coming, because we saw what they were doing to the elections. We watched them do that and then brag about it later. So those of us apparent are to, to following the facts saying, oh, so you're going to change the voting rules. Okay. So you're going to allow drop boxes. Okay. So you just spent the past six months saying everybody will die if you vote in person, but now you, certain, certain um, populations can vote in person. Okay. You're not going to require signature matches. Okay. You're not going to require any signatures. Okay. You're going to allow votes to come in after the polls close. Okay. Which takes me back to the picture. And this response, and I'm looking at the responses of people on Twitter, which is an absolute stinkhole. And no one's willing to take for a moment that this guy regrets hitting or pushing or shoving or or screaming at another human being. One of the officers, Capitol Hill officers, Fanone, this comes from another reporter on the scene, just told us that he responded by this, this, uh, this guy, Ayers, apologizing by saying no apology necessary. He added, it doesn't do S word for me. I hope it does something for him. All right. So you're not forgiving either. All right. Some people don't forgive. But January 6th is the story of what the government did. That's the story. Because the government led to all of this. They led to it by pretending that all was good and well in an election that was being rigged before our faces. No one who has thought for five seconds about masks and and you can shop at Home Depot, but not in a small hardware store. No one believed it was risking life to have votes in person. No one. No one actually believes voter ID is racist. No one. No one in real society at any time would accept being told, you owe $15,000. For what? You purchased a car. No, I didn't. Show me my signature. Oh, well, we don't have your signature. We just got this typed 
piece of paper here. It's got your name and address on it. It says that you bought the car, but my signature is not on it. Oh, we don't need signatures. Or likewise, that's not my signature. I don't sign my name that way. Oh, well, we don't match signatures. You owe the money. No one. There's no one on earth who would accept. Um, you're being charged with murder. Do you have pictures of me doing it? Uh, yeah, well, show me. That's not me. That doesn't even look like me. Yeah, but we don't check ID or images. No one. No one who's looked at what Zuckerberg did with his money can come away with the conclusion that it was anything other than vote rigging. No one can think that vote harvesting is safe and secure. No one. There's no chain of custody. No one can think that it wasn't on purpose that Black Lives Matter Incorporated and Antifa were allowed to riot and burn down cities, beg for cops to get killed, kill cops, seize cities. No one can think that was not on purpose because it was on purpose. No one can think it wasn't on purpose. No one who's read about the, the non-plan to kidnap the dictator of Michigan can come away with any conclusion other than it was seven feds and three really, really sad, very lonely uh, people who right now are, are losing in life. No one. But the breaking news from the Gateway Pundit about January 6th nails it shut. The breaking news is this. Uh, from the Gateway Pundit, they received, according to them, from the a confidential informant they have, the, the Gateway Pundit has, that the FBI and Justice Department, so-called Justice Department, are trying individuals and, in fact, have jailed individuals whom they know to be innocent. And the reason they know this is because their own confidential informant said they're innocent. So the Gateway Pundit has linked to all the source data, all the confidential files, many of them marked highly sensitive They've linked to video, they've linked to audio recordings, and we'll play those later in the week. Our source, they write, who's familiar with the FBI informant and has identified him as James Aaron Knowles. According to the source, Knowles had gained them the group's total, uh, total confidence and included in all communications. This was the Kansas City Proud Boys group that they're talking about. So he told his handlers at the FBI that, the, that his group, the group that he'd infiltrated was, quote, not involved, nor did they inspire the breaking of the barriers at the Capitol building. Um, he described the scene as the crowd doing it as herd mentality and that it was not organized. The crowd was shouting, stop the vote as they made their way to the Capitol building. There were no overt threats or of violence made at the time. N not only that. But when some of the group did go into the Capitol, they had folded other people in there. They stopped people from breaking things. One of the members of this group went to a guy who was throwing chairs and stopped him. 
They told people, your voices have been heard. Please get out of the building. Exit the Capitol. There is video of a cop giving a thumbs up to one of the, one of the Proud Boys because they were in there trying to keep the peace. Or I should say reestablish the peace. But that did not stop their indictment. That doesn't stop them from being charged with things like seditious conspiracy, obstruction of law enforcement and civil order, aiding and abetting, threatening a federal officer, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, carrying a deadly or dangerous weapon. According to the confidential informant, all the Proud Boys, the Kansas City Proud Boys group, all of them were told to come unarmed, do not bring any weapons whatsoever to this event. They were there to provide security against Antifa, which we're supposed to believe was not there, which I don't believe. Well, because John X. Sullivan was there. Black Lives Matter Incorporated. I don't believe, unless the FBI informants and agitators who were in the crowd, because they were, were also role-playing as Antifa at a time, then, then I don't believe that there were no Antifa there. But the fact that the government continues to prosecute these guys, well, that's chilling. And if, in fact, they're aware of, well, they are because they, 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 they got these communications. The government knows these guys didn't do this. The Gateway Pundit then asks an important question. It is, did they give this information to the defense attorneys? Because if they've not given it to the defense attorneys, then they would have violated the the Brady law in terms of evidence. You have to you have to provide the um, you have to provide exculpatory evidence as a prosecutor. If you have evidence that shows the people that you're prosecuting are not guilty or is helpful to their case or backs up their case, you have to share that with their defense attorneys. None of this will make it into the media. None of it will be repeated by the mockingbirds. You'll have Julie Kelly. Julie Kelly's looking into this. And, and you saw I'm, saw, I'm sure you saw Julie's tweets yesterday about all of this. And that she did live video on this. So it is a story about what the government decided to cause. If you push and push and push a person unless that person is completely unable to defend themselves, you'll eventually get a push back. Someone will eventually blow their top. It's the, the Kenny Rogers song, the coward of the County. We've all seen it in life. Haven't we all seen it in life? Haven't you seen the bullied kid fire off? Well, yeah. I mean, let's, a lot of times the mass shooters will come in and have records of, uh, I should say, mass killers who use guns should, will come across and have records of having been bullied. And we're saying, well, surprise, surprise, they were bullied. There are few and far between people who will actually defend the people who are being held illegally without charges. Because they intend for those people to be on trial just before the midterm elections. It's all show. The people who actually committed assaults, who actually broke things, they could already be sentenced. But the DOJ doesn't want this in front of a jury. They don't want criminal hearings on this. They don't want to be forced to reveal exculpatory evidence. 
Why? Because they're prosecuting innocent people. Why? Because a serious judge would say, yeah, the defendants are entitled to know who gave the order to open the doors. The defendants are entitled to know who were the FBI informants in the crowd. The defense is entitled to know all to see all the hours of footage that is still being hidden. Any defense attorney would say the government has refused to provide the bulk of the evidence. The bulk of the hours, the bulk of the camera hours has not been disclosed to us. How can we possibly provide a defense? Well, the government is hiding the bulk of the, of, of the camera minutes of what occurred. Because a decent defense attorney would be saying, my clients are not the ones who did this. My clients were under the impression that they were invited into the Capitol. My clients were under the impression that the doors had been opened. My clients were entrapped. My clients were led in and entrapped by federal agents. We contend that this masked person is a federal agent. And we contend that when we get discovery, we will prove these people to be federal agents. That's why it's in front of the so-called select committee. That's why the DOJ wants to play it that way. There are people like Louis Gomer who are finally beginning to join Marjorie Taylor Greene in defense of, well, let's say it this way, due process. You can be convinced that someone is guilty and still say, and that someone deserves the defense attorney because that's the way our process works. You can be convinced that someone is guilty, say, of trespassing and still say, wait a minute, they're in, in jail 540 days for trespassing. That's a charge where people might spend a couple of hours in jail. Oh, and by the way, they're pregnant or they have cancer and they need cancer treatment and they're in solitary confinement. When you're going to talk about a process crime, like, like, um, uh, like obstruction, it's not even a violent crime and they're in here 540 days without charges. You have a right, constitutionally expressed right to a fair and speedy trial. 540 days is not speedy and therefore not fair. It's not fair in that the government is not handing over all the evidence. Louis Gomer talked about this. He said that the violations of Americans' rights on January 6th is mind-blowing. Did a press conference a few days ago, June 15th, well, a month ago, June 15th. He and, a, and, and three other representatives, <laughs> three rock-ribbed Republicans, they are actually rock-ribbed, are joining Marjorie Taylor Greene to ask for, for demand more evidence. We are extremely concerned to see a Department of Justice, not about justice, Gomer said at the press conference. It's about vengeance. It's about intimidation and the tactics we've been seeing uh, from this DOJ and disregard for rights coming out of investigations showing the FBI lied, Intel lied, the DOJ lies. It ought to concern every single American. As a former felony judge and chief justice, it's particularly mind-blowing for me during a time when we should have the most fair courts in our history, we have more violations of Americans' rights than even, even under um, the, the Hoover FBI. 
Gomer told the Epic uh, Gomert told the Epic Times in a June 22 interview, "It's just incredible that people have been nominated and confirmed by the Senate as federal judges, granting warrants that don't specify anything particularly, as the Constitution requires, uh, as to what they're for." What's worse, when they find out they were lied to under oath by the Department of Justice, they, they're not really bothered. They didn't do anything about it. For heaven's sakes, you have to respect your position if you have no respect for yourself. And the reason it should concern every American should be, should be just obvious to everybody listening. If they can do it to these guys, they can do it to you. If they can selectively prosecute these people and hold them without without a trial for 540 days, they can do that to you or your kids or everyone else. And there are case after case after case of family members who are beginning to speak out about what happened and where the DOJ just demonstrably lied about them. And in fact, the DOJ has come back to admit, yeah, 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 we lied about that. And this is some of the things that Gomer's talking about. The DJ is coming back. Oh yeah, we lied about that. Sorry, but but nothing's nothing's happening. I'll give you one of these family stories. Uh, family stories in just a second. And just imagine yourself in this position as we go through it. Hey, are you a um, a small business owner that deals with people in their homes? Um, or yeah, small business owner. This is people that, yeah, it'd be perfect if they're homes. So I'm, I'm thinking about real estate agent, um, maybe do home repair for folks or your job involves home visits. Maybe you come and you set up the smart home stuff that I can't stand. Other people love that stuff. Um, you deliver stuff to people's homes on a regular basis, high end things, or, or you, maybe you build homes. Uh, and and you deal with a lot of people meeting in their homes to go through you know, architectural plans, what have you. Uh, you have an opportunity to join us in promoting the fact that every single human life matters and giving someone one heck of a cool, cool gift. It's from Alan's Artisan Soaps. And this came when we, we got John, who runs Alan's, Alan's Artisan Soaps, and he runs it on behalf of his son, Alan. Alan is the chief soap officer. He's the creative force behind many of the scents that are totally unique, made in America, small batch, three generations of familial knowledge behind the making of these soaps have made them this fantastic soap that you can't get anywhere else. A listener got in touch with the folks at Alan's Artisan Soaps and said, hey, I'm a plumber and I want some gift packs. I want to buy Allen's Artisan Soaps from allensoaps.com slash Todd, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. You get 10% off everything Allen sells there just to make it easy, 10%, including the Herminator Sub, which is a subscription plan. I want to tell you something that they've done at Allen Soaps for business owners. So this plumber said, I want to be able to give people gifts. So they created a DIY gift pack. Do it yourself. It comes with 24 bars of soap, your choice at a 20% discount. That's twice what you'll normally save. It includes 24 hand-stamped craft handle bags with 50 sheets of of craft tissue paper. At at checkout is the only option to add the 24 sisal pouches or soap racks, also at 20% off. So you add your business card and a thank you note. You make a unique shower gift for people 
in their homes and you tell them the story about Allen's Artisan Soaps. Young Allen, so deeply impacted by autism and structural health concerns, but he works every day at the soap company for real, part of the creative force behind it. It's a model company. They could use robots, but they won't because they believe in the power of humanity because they believe God values each human. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd for your small business. allensoaps.com slash Todd. One of the family members uh, who's involved in this also spoke to the Epic Times, Thomas Caldwell. His wife, Sharon Caldwell of Berry Hill, Virginia, says she's grateful for Cynthia Hughes and the Patriot Freedom Project for the opportunity to have a press conference and, and to speak about what happened. Some of us have done interviews in the news, but we never really had the support of Congress people. She said, I felt like we had that last with these three GOP representatives. It was awesome. So Sharon's husband, Thomas, got charged with seditious conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an official proceeding, and aiding and abetting a conspiracy to prevent an officer from discharging any duties, tampering with documents or proceedings, and aiding and abetting. And the DOJ made some false claims that are, that are just utterly, utterly ridiculous. The government has already been forced to admit mistakes, quote mistakes, that according to Save Our Farm. And by the way, I'll explain why it's called Save Our Farm. Why is a group called Save Our Farm concerning themselves with January 6th? I'll tell you. This gentleman, Tom, was never, quote, commander of a group called the Oath Keepers. He was never a leader of a group called the Oath Keepers. He was never a member of the Oath Keepers. But the indictment papers, the charges said he was. The government, according to Saver Farms, has been forced to admit, okay, so we got that wrong. He did not enter the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He did not commit any act of violence. He did not damage any property. He did not threaten anyone, including law enforcement officers. He did not participate in a plan to enter the U.S. Capitol in January 2021. But since he's been locked up in, in D.C. Gitmo, he has been in solitary confinement, had physical and mental abuse, denial of medical care, including life-sustaining prescriptions and medications. And the cost of his defense, because remember, as Mark Stein has said, the process is the punishment. They're about to lose their family farm that they've had, that he's lived on since he was a child the way they sustain themselves. And there's a, a donation website for people who want to help. I'll link that in the show notes so that you can, you can make a donation so that they can continue to fight against this assault on them and on their finances because the process is the punishment. Now, let's compare this again to Patrice Colliers because again, it goes back to what the government did and didn't do. Patrice Colliers headed a group that said, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them? Now. She headed a group that explained that they're trains mark, trained Marxists. No justice, no peace. They said it. They got it. She has not been brought in for questioning. She owns a couple, three, $4 million home in Topanga Canyon, California. She led these things. 
There are identifiable leaders of Black Lives Matter Incorporated who could be brought in. This is the old story, and I get frustrated telling it because you know it as well as I do. But it remains a fact that you are going to get this response. When you treat people this way, the DOJ doesn't want that coming out. And the silence from the Mockingbird media proves to me that we're right. That they want to ignore the role that the Black Lives Matter allowing that to occur played in building up to the frustration of a guy like this guy who's going around now and hugging the cops that built up to that frustration. And then you get this. I, I certainly enjoy being lectured on, on, on what, a, what a democracy is by a guy from England <laughs> where they have official government media channels where, where they actually don't have free speech protection. You, you actually have to go to an area to have free speech where they have stolen people's guns and not stop shootings where they literally had a plan to go and make sure you had no serrated knives in your houses because Muslims, largely Muslims were going around and chopping people's heads off the, Hey, go get the serrated knives. No one needs them. <laughs> where, where they had a, they had certified for real um, rapist gangs, gang rapists who were Muslims kidnapping British girls and, and threatening them and turning them out as prostitutes and threatening them by like burning their friends alive in front of them. And we're talking about a couple thousand girls and the social workers knew and the cops knew this was going on. But in that so-called democracy, they were so afraid of being called um, uh, Islamophobes. They chose not to tell anybody. They chose not to prosecute that. Yes, but I want to be lectured on democracy by a guy who is apparently making a documentary about Donald Trump. You spoke to former President Trump about democracy. What did that conversation reveal to you? Oh, I don't think he really understands what that really means. I mean, when I was sitting in front of him you know, in the White House on you know, sort of four or five days after his own attorney general has said there's no evidence to support his claims of election malfeasance. And he's given me all these different reasons as to why there actually is election issues and how we need to intervene and we need to sort of get brave and courageous judges. I mean, this isn't a man who really sort of fully understands what it means to be, uh, what democracy actually really means. Well, what it actually really means is that four or five days after an election, when we were told it would take up to three weeks to to find the, the, the winner, that you instantly know there's no reason to believe there's any fraud, despite the fact that in five targeted states, counting was supposed to have stopped. They had everybody leave the room, but at 4.30 in the morning, there came the most horrendously interesting change of events where Joe Biden's vote count went straight up and Donald Trump's went straight down and people witnessed on TV screens as Trump's votes went down in number right at the same time as votes for Biden went up in number. They literally watched votes switch sides. And Trump's attorney general saying there's, there's, there's no reason to believe there's mass vote fraud. You don't know that three or four days after an event like that. With all the smoke, the bet was that there was fire and we can talk about the smoke ad nauseum. It's still there. We still have the special prosecutor in Wisconsin, a former state judge who said they broke the law. 
who said there was widespread, widespread vote fraud, particularly in long-term care centers, who said there was fraudulent counting of ballots. We now have a ruling that once again says the drop boxes were illegal in Wisconsin. Uh, another judge. So, so you can have a, a, a system guy who's been in this system his whole life say, oh, the system of which I've been a part, that certainly can't be fraudulent because I've been part of it. Democracy is not accepting, it's not about accepting appeals to authority. Well, I'm an attorney general. I say there's no sign of vote fraud. Now, democracy is also not, not overthrowing it for little reason, but it happens that in our founding papers, of the United States, it says we get to sever the bonds of our government when they stop stop representing or stop representing our interests and start abusing us. Now we can debate all day long about when we're at that point. If we're at that point, we can have that debate. But to pretend it's not part of democracy is silliness. And again, to somehow to have it done by a guy with a British accent, maybe he's a citizen here now. Somehow it just offends me more. Then there's this, the comparison of this to Watergate. Of course, this is a guy who wanted his time on MSNBC to count. So it came up with a soundbite. Just think about Trump saying on national television about the Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. I mean, it all fits, doesn't it? And, you know, so I agree that this is potentially devastating tomorrow's testimony, um, because if you can connect a Trump uh, to a premeditated plan to launch a violent mob on the Capitol, then, you know, game, set, and match. But in another sense, I think that what happens tomorrow almost doesn't matter when you consider what we already know. What we know is that Donald Trump and Mark Meadows and others were told in no uncertain terms that they lost the election. They went ahead and tried to subvert the election anyway. They, they launched a mob to attack the Capitol. They knew the mob was heavily armed and they didn't care how many people died. Now, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I think I do know something about previous presidential scandals. And compared to this, you know, Richard Nixon and H.R. Haldeman, their crimes look like parking violations. Their crimes were attempting to steal an election. That's what their crimes were. The crimes were breaking into the Democrat National Committee to attempt to steal an election. The rigging of this election was an attempt to steal it. Was it, in fact, successful? I think it was. Because it went beyond just the techniques at the ballot box. It went to COVID. It went to lying about COVID. It It went to using COVID. Speaking of COVID, there's a connection. There always is. Hey, the Herman store, Todd Herman store is open. This has been a long time coming. I've gotten a lot of questions about when are we getting the t-shirts you promised us when we started the podcast? Well, promise fulfilled. The the t-shirts we said they would be, we actually took from the audience input on what would be the best t-shirts. And we had a whole range of sayings that we'd put on them. Far and above was the, um, the only knee we take is to the Lord. We don't play that enough on the show. I've got that, the Todd Herman show. The only knee we take is to the Lord. I can't do it like he does it. 
the, the big voice. So there's two t-shirts from which to choose. One, they're each a different styling of the Lion of Judah. If you wonder why the lion's on there, that's the Lord being the Lion of Judah. That's what that stands for. That's the, that's the uh, well, you get it biblically. Um, one of them has Christ's cross in the background. And that's a little bit more ethereal. I like that one. That might be my favorite. The other features the lion straight up front and people who are biblical will understand why the lion is there. And then on the back, it says the toddhermanshow.com. And people have said to me, no, it should be the Todd Herman Show up front. Mm-mm. God is our banner. The Lord is our banner on this program. If I didn't have to have my name on the show, I wouldn't. But my team is constantly saying, well, but that would be inconvenient because you are actually the host of the show. You go to the toddhermanshow.com. There's a store at the top, two t-shirts. They're 29 bucks. We make 10 bucks off of each shirt. And it's also an opportunity to promote the show. We'll be doing a contest as more people buy the shirts. Take a picture of you and your family and your friends. For each person in the picture, we'll put you into an entry to win a gift pack from the Todd Herman Show and some cool things in that. So toddhermanshow.com, you'll find the link to the store right at the top. So the Justice Department doesn't want people to know what they didn't do and what they did do. They don't want people to know about the informants. They don't want people to know that they are trying people they know to be not guilty. That's things that they don't want to leak. Likewise with the CDC. And I mean, literally, they are hiding evidence, just like the DOJ. The Center for Disease Control is pretending they've had six months, six, pardon me, six months of data problems. Darn the stinking luck. We're, we're having a whole bunch of problems with data. We just can't seem to get the data loaded. It takes such a long time to load the death data. So what, what, what kind of data are they having trouble getting loaded? Uh, well, one of them is, is cancer data. <laughs> uh, our friend Ethical Skeptic, and I know his real identity. I've vetted him. We've interviewed him on the program. Uh, Ethical Skeptic worked in naval intelligence, does the most high-level, high-level risk analysis for people and organizations and countries. I mean, he's probably the best independent data analyst in the world. Ethical Skeptic writes, the CDC purposely releases an update with cancer and 15 to 54-year-old deaths pulled out. And people are suddenly saying that everything is peachy now based upon the flawed data. <laughs> please, if you don't know, if you have not done the detailed analysis, please don't talk as, a, as an authority. The, <laughs> the CDC removed cancer deaths. Because what are we seeing post-injection? Cancer deaths. What are they trying to destroy? You'll hear from him in a second here. Dr. Ryan Cole, they're trying to destroy him. The owner of the largest immunological lab west of the Mississippi in southern Idaho. They're trying to destroy him. People going to professional boards complaining about him, but they've never met him. They've, they've never been his patient. They, they've, they've never used his lab as a, as, as, as a, as a patient or as a business. They're, they've just gone to complain against him because of things he says. And they're trying to crush him as they're trying to crush anybody who tells the truth about this mass murder. And that's what it is. And I will be proven right.
God is God. God is so good to give us an opportunity to see this stuff clearly. If we'll begin to understand the curtain that the Lord has torn down, he's torn it down. He's saying, look upon their nakedness. And he's done this throughout history. Meanwhile, the UK government has quietly released this report and it shows the funniest thing. People who, well, I won't say stupidly, people who got forced, coerced, conned, um, uh, deceived into getting shot up with the mRNA injection account for 94% of all COVID deaths since April. 90% of them have been triple or quadruple injected with the mRNA trash. They're killing people with this. Then the CDC is literally hiding the data. So it can't be tracked. Good thing there's other sources of data. I mentioned this earlier, but it's important enough to mention again, the fifth largest life insurance company in the United States of America, Lincoln, Lincoln National, is seeing a 163% increase in death benefits paid out under its group life insurance policies. Oh, gosh, if only there was a reason. It's almost like there was a change of lifestyle that suddenly hit all of America and, and people just maybe, you know what it is? Maybe people started jabbing themselves. You know, I've seen that a lot. I'll take it back. So I don't want to misspeak. I don't know if you've seen this. I see this all the time now. Do you ever see this? You'll see perfectly healthy adult 35 and they'll just all of a sudden start jamming themselves in the aorta uh, with steak knives. I see it. It's so weird. Happened to me this morning. I was at the convenience store and this guy walked in and grabbed the steak knife and started jabbing himself in the yard. And we said, oh, wow, look, guy's jabbing himself in the neck again. The lady said, yeah, last guy in here did that too. He died. I guess that's 163% increase in mortality. This is the guy that the, the, the party is trying to ruin. This is Dr. Ryan Cole. And I'm sure that Mitch McConnell will be getting around to defending Ryan Cole, right? Kevin McCarthy. Note that the DOJ and the CDC are doing the same thing. The CDC is participating in the persecution of doctors they know to be innocent. They allowed Bill Gates and Tony Fauci to run the biggest con in the history of the world to inject people with trash. Tony Fauci knows remdesivir is deadly. He knew it from the Ebola test where it killed people, shut down their kidneys, and yet he forced it upon people in COVID. It's the only CDC approved poison to give people other than the um, mRNA and the the other so-called vaccines. Same thing, DOJ, prosecuting people they know to be innocent while they allowed other groups to get away with quite literal murder. DOJ, CDC, same animal. And this is the guy they're trying to ruin for speaking out about this. This is Dr. Ryan Cole. Not only could you be sterilizing your daughter, you could be ruining her heart. You could be inflaming her liver. You could be inflaming her brain, her adrenal glands, um, her spleen, her bone marrow. Uh, 
Children are at zero risk for COVID. Zero. Statistically zero. Healthy children do not die from this disease. Healthy children do not have severe adverse effects from this disease. Healthy children are at zero risk for COVID. And I call it COVID now, not COVID, because we have Omicron. And in children, it is a sniffle. Why would you give a gene-based experimental shot to your child risking her fertility, risking her heart, her brain, her liver, her health for her entire lifetime for a common sniffle? There is no logic in it. There is all harm, all risk, zero benefit. The shot causes clotting. The shot causes inflammation. The shot causes all those conditions I listed. We know that from the data now from the Pfizer data, from the post-clinical trial data. COVID, Omicron, is a sniffle in children. Dr. Macri out of Johns Hopkins went back and looked. There was no healthy child that died from COVID. And so it is an absurdity. Here's the other absurdity. Children in the United States, as of February, 75% had had COVID already. Now that we're a couple months later, about 90% of America's children have had COVID. You do not ever give a shot to somebody that's recovered from a disease. Anthony Fauci said this about the flu in 2018. The best immunity of all is recovery from a disease. Almost all of America's children have had COVID. When you add a shot on top of their broad given natural immunity, you increase their immune response, you increase their risk for autoimmune disease, hyperinflammatory responses, heart disease, etc and inflammation of the ovary in these little girls. It is a horrible idea. I want every mama bear in the sound of my voice, you protect that child. It is medically insane, medically not indicated, and it is actually criminal harm to put a needle in the arm with a gene-based jab for a child that's recovered. He's absolutely right. And I will beg you again, if you're a parent, do not allow this. There is no data no possible way to back this up with data. Mind you, this FDA wanted to hide the evidence on behalf of Pfizer for 75 years. Mind you, the so-called scientists at the FDA and CDC do not have to disclose how much money they get from pharmaceutical companies. Mind you, the FBI is refusing to disclose how many paid agitators they had causing things to happen. Mind you, there's no investigation about why Fauci chose remdesivir, which is a poison. There's not going to be. Mind you, there's no investigation into the actual changes they made in the studies to pretend that people didn't die, and there's not going to be. Mind you, there's only three Republicans in Congress demanding explanations for January 6th and the treatment of these, of these prisoners. And there's not going to be many more. Which brings us back to where everything begins. Let us not count. Let us not hope. Let us not pray to government. Let us pray to God. And on the topic of the Lord, next hour, I'll tell you a secret. I already recorded next hour. Normally record the hours in sequence. I got done with the next hour and I felt like I needed to take a shower because we have to pray for Ashley Biden and Hunter Biden. And I felt dirty 
saying that, and I shouldn't, because we're to love our enemies. I would just warn you that next hour contains some, not rough language, but really rough ideas and descriptions from Hunter Biden's laptop and this alleged phone hack. It also has a personal note at the end. If you listen with, with, with kids, be mindful that probably not for, for ears of, of teens, maybe below the age of 14 would be my judgment. It's a personal note around something that I, I watched, which was a mother admitting to her daughter that she knew the daughter was being molested, but chose not to do anything for some reasons I'll describe. Oh yeah, it's in relation to Joe Biden. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And as always, let's try to make sure that we listen, that we listen very, very closely. After we pray and we express ourselves, let's please make time to listen because God wants a conversation with us because he wants a relationship with us. Please don't do what I do all too often and and just get done speaking and stop. Please make time to listen to the voice of God.